Maya Angelou once said, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Welcome to the Sway Workplace Podcast, where we discuss the changing and evolving world of work and what it means to be a part of it. Today, you'll be listening in to a conversation on workplace bias with our founder, Denise Bruder, Jamie Vole, and myself, Genevieve Dubay. We hope you enjoy. You know, we're at this place of empowerment, but we're still confused about I'm not confused we know it's the right thing but it's almost like we need the permission or something and I'm just was just thinking Mm. about all the different women in history who stood up for rights when it must have been so hard and so taboo and so crazy to all these other people you know like Mm. to stand up for women's rights to vote and everything like that so I don't know I'm just having this like whole trip down history lane (laughs) um just thinking about all these different women and so I think the Maya Angelou quote really um, works in conjunction with that because mm-hmm. it's like we know better, but um, you know it's like that switch that has to turn to be like yeah, but we need to fight for this because it is the right thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just crazy that we're you know 2019 still fighting for women's rights in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, everything has changed, and I think even the quote there: "Know better and do better." Right? Know is your thoughts and your beliefs. And do is taking an action. So when we know better, we have an opportunity to do better. So it really is. And that's why Sway and developing Sway Workplace at this point in time is so right. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's not like when, when the, in the time of the suffragettes, right? Or anyone that fought for the women's right to vote, which again, that was only about 100 years ago. It wasn't that long ago in the yeah. grand scheme of things. I can't even imagine how difficult it was to stand up there when the their resistance was so real, probably right. so in their face right. and so difficult, but to be connected to something, some sense of purpose like that, that is so strong, that causes you to take an action where you put everything else in your life probably at risk for the good of the, for the common good of humanity. That's extraordinary. And not that mm. I'd say we are as powerful, maybe we are as those people, but I think what we're doing here at Sway, we're not far off the mark. Yeah. Mm. No, we're not, but it's just funny because- you know, we, I feel like we're more empowered than ever before in terms with women, but, but I, but I still have that sense of, is this the right thing? Are we going to get resistance? And I think, um, we will, you know, and we are, and, and we have in the workplace. So, um, you know, it's just kind of crazy to think back to those, those women and give them so much credit for fighting. Thank God they did. Absolutely. And I think that every time we face a piece of resistance, even with developing Sway Workplace, even though today in modern age, platforms are accepted and everyone's looking for how do you empower women in the workplace, dollars and cents, the economics behind it, like it's being welcomed. um, We're definitely going to still face resistance. Like I know for sure we're going to be somewhere and somebody's going to say to me, so you're telling me your platform is for stay-at-home moms that want to work. Which is going to totally minimize the effort behind it, and it totally belittles the conversation. And I can't wait for that first piece of resistance to come up because I think at that point, really, I mean, I am a stay-at-home mom. I don't have any help here at all. It's me and the kids. But yet together, we're developing and growing sway. So if somebody looks mm-hmm. at me, do you see a stay-at-home mom? Hmm. I mean, I don't, but I I feel the same way mm-hmm. about me. You know, I I. I think people are probably really confused because they'll hear about all these things I'm doing, but then they see me standing on the playground, you know, and 
you know, you, you come up with this whole thing. Um, people do that to everyone does that. It's it's human nature. You know, you kind of like put somebody Mm -hmm. in a box. Nobody lives in a box. Balance in life is found by swaying in and out of all parts of your life in an easy, balanced way. Which is an excellent lead-in to the living room, our virtual living room here for our conversation, which is really biased. That's what it is, right? Yeah. That's quite Mm -hmm. literally at the root of all the conversations that we're having. And the vision for Sway and what we're trying to solve, if we were to put some words behind it, I think like the model of work that we have today We've talked about this before and I think it's so true that it is a model of work that perpetuates this continuous cycle of burnout, fallout, and stay out. Yeah. Mm. It's usually so many like subtle things too that people don't notice that keep people, keep people out, you know? Like, right. you know, my, my – I can just think of my sister who like with the – in the military, she has to nurse. It's just like the – basic operations of like what her job is. They're just not used to that. So no one knows how to handle it and no one knows how to, you know, treat her in a way that makes her feel capable and that it's normal and that she can still succeed at her job. And that's such a subtle change. That's not even like, that may not even be an intentional um, uh, roadblock, you know? Well, nursing is, is a very, I mean, that's a hot topic for sure. And, you know, I don't think we want to dive mm. too much into that right now, but that, you know, I, I nursed, I had to pump in a janitor's closet in my, one of my jobs and not that long ago, um, a janitor's closet. And that's, you know, when I was in there, I was, I felt ashamed Mm. because I was, um, Mm. that's where they put me, you know, because they didn't have anywhere else to put me. And I was in there like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Is this the wrong thing to be doing? And, you know, I think it's changed a lot, even since that was me though. Well, that was when I was, my son was first born. That was eight years ago. Um, so a lot has changed. Most companies now have nursing rooms and um, they make it comfortable for, for mothers, but it hasn't always been that way and, and not that long ago. So yeah, I think people just don't know how to accept certain norms. I mean, nursing has been around since the beginning, <laughs> you know, that's how, you know, that's how, how babies grow. So it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting that women in the workplace are still facing that bias. And you know, at the Department of Labor, the number one call they receive in from people is pregnancy discrimination and issues of just exactly what you described. Oh, wow. Um, tolerance for lactation wow. is still today. That's the number one issue that they get. Although I'm not about. surprised because, um, again, with the history that I was, uh, when I was doing some research yesterday, um, there was a period of time, I want to say it was in the 50s, as soon as a woman got pregnant, they got fired. It's like not that long ago. Yeah. Wow. Like as soon as wow. actually, I'm sorry, it was not even pregnant. It was married because they knew soon after they were going to get pregnant. Wow. I'm going to back that up. So I grew up in Ireland and in Ireland, it was the same thing. If you, it was literally the exact same thing. If you had a civil service job, which was a job with the government, whatever form it was, once you got married, you had to leave your job. Really? You had to. Isn't that bizarre? I mean, it's just what we're saying here in the U.S., but mm-hmm. that... That was only in the 1950s. That's not that well, right. that awfully long ago. And what? So they women had to leave their jobs. And can you imagine the world today if all women left their jobs when they got married? <laughs> Do you know, like what a what a disservice. And what what kind of world were we living in that that was the norm? I mean, <laughs> weddings would be like a funeral for an organization. Seriously. 
<laughs> we lost our VP of, of product management. <laughs> so they wouldn't be looking out to see if you were going to get pregnant. They'd be looking out to see if you're going to fall in yeah. love. Yeah. Like, what the heck? <laughs> But oh fast forward to today, and McKinsey has validated, you know, they've done the research to say that, you know, if uh, women were fully incorporated into the workforce, you would add trillions of dollars to the U.S. economy. So what a change mm. from outlawing married women in the workplace <laughs> to acknowledging the trillions of dollars that we're not earning right now as economies. Mm. What yeah, a change. Yeah, but how much more potential? So think about the, the potential in the 50s. Um, you know, and now how much more potential there is. Now we know that women are capable. Now we know that women can rise to the top. Um, but what is that statistic, Denise? You know, you, you've said that before. Is it what at 48% of, of women and how many women are outside of the workplace mm-hmm. now or not are not returning? Um, we think that there is an Aspen Institute report that I thought was really interesting and it talked about the recession of 2008 and the millions of women that are no longer in the workforce. Mm. Uh, couldn't get back in. And that's why when you look at the unemployment number and we look at it as a baseline number, uh, the unemployment is at historical lows. That number is a wholesale number. It's like a stamp on the whole U.S. economy, but it is extremely misleading. Meaning I think the calling unemployment low, again, if we refer back to the 1950s, that meant something because most variables were held constant. Today, when you look at that unemployment number, it doesn't account for where the unemployment is occurring or the employment's occurring. So it doesn't account for the difficulty and the weakness of the market in the Midwest, as, as an example. It doesn't account for male-female. It doesn't account for underutilization. It doesn't account for somebody with two degrees working a menial job, mm. right? There's so much not included in that unemployment now, which is that my greatest hope through what we do through Sway Workplace is have those conversations, but stop assuming and let's actually restate and have a conversation about what things mean. And that's ultimately what bias is too, right? Bias is assuming that you when you look at somebody, you make an assumption about them that makes you feel comfortable. Mm. And that's what unconscious bias is. And it happens in hiring quite often, probably the most prevalent location where you're going to see bias occur, which is getting in the door. We are naturally conditioned to feel comfortable around people that look like us, sound like us, and talk like us, right? Mm. So whether the gender... Race, religion, education, ethnicity, sexual orientation, the more commonality you have with somebody, the more naturally comfortable you are. And I think we're just humanly designed to see anything in different in those categories as a natural threat. And that's where bias occurs. And I think that's why bias is such, they call it a taboo, and it's so true. No one wants to talk about the fact that we all have some form of bias. But why is it a taboo, do you think? I think it's uncomfortable um, to recognize that in yourself. I think that people, oh, you know, most people want to be open. Most people want to be accepting, but it. I think it's cultural in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, I think that people just, it's the way of the world, you know, that we, we want to be accepting, but we also do put people in a box like we were just talking about, you know, um, it's, mm-hmm. it is somewhat mm-hmm. human nature to do that, to kind of sum someone up as soon as you meet them, like, oh, I know who that person is. And then, you know, sometimes you find out, wow, there's mm-hmm. a lot more to them than I ever thought. And I should not have done that. Like, why am I thinking like that? Um, but you know, it is everywhere. So I think it's really fighting the stigma. Um, and being more open. And we're all trying to do that, but I think it's somewhat natural. Mm. I feel like what you said too, Jamie, like 
kind of natural to just go into the stigma, but I also feel like depending on where you are, it's natural to fall into whatever norms your workplace has set for how you're treated. Like I know for me, um, there was like, (laughs) this is pretty funny. I was, I was going to audition for, uh, this, this music team. Um, and I noticed that all of the other girls that had gotten accepted were like the way they sung was like very like kind of like just like quiet and like reserved and very like beep, 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 like we're like just nice. And I was like, ah, I can't do that. Like I'm not going to be, I'm not going to get accepted. And then that led me to believe that like, okay, in my audition, I need to make mm-hmm. sure that I sound like them, you know? And it was this weird, I like, I caught myself thinking like that and I was like, no, like I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but, um, but I feel like it was it was shocking. Like even if you are confident in yourself, and even if you are, it doesn't matter like who you are and how talented you are. You like can still feel that almost pressure of your surroundings of like, oh, this is how we're treated here. Because you thought you'd be more accepted if you behaved in the common manner that you saw around you. Mm-hmm. So it was easier to be more in line than it was to be different. Yeah, I think that's very true in a lot yeah. of situations. You know, people kind of adapt to whatever, um, you know, will make them feel most comfortable, I guess. Um, And they don't want to stand out or be be different, you know? So it's sad in a a lot of ways, but I think it exists for women in the workplace. Um, You know, the bias that exists is comes from a lot of history as well, you know, culture and history. Um, And again, putting Mm -hmm. people in a box, like there's been times where I'm like, oh, I I feel like they're just looking at, and it's my own bias against myself, you know, sometimes like, oh, they're just looking at me Mm -hmm. like I'm just a housewife, you know? And meanwhile, I've got all this experience. So it's really a matter of being conscious Mm -hmm. of it and and fighting against it, I think. That's a really interesting point you just mentioned there, Jamie, about your own internal bias. That's really interesting as distinct from external bias. But bias against yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, people have a tendency, like, you know, it's like it's like you, you look at your resume and you know, you know you have all this experience, but sometimes you can put yourself in a box too. Like I was just talking about being on the playground and people probably looking at me like, oh, she's a stay-at-home mom, which is great. Stay-at-home moms are great. People, you know, they do all so much. I, I You know, it exhausts me. Um, but, you know, I'm like, you know, I bet you a lot of people, that's what they think about me. And meanwhile, I run two, you know, I'm, I'm involved in two companies and I have three kids and I'm, you know, I, I have a lot of experience. But um, yeah, I think that sometimes you just fall into those categories. You're like, okay, this is what I am. And everyone's going to just label me this way. So then if we think about bias, then particularly gender bias, that's, those are interesting points. Bias against yourself, and that's how you project yourself. And then there's bias that you receive from other people. So Jamie, you mentioned that example earlier, and I, mm-hmm. you know, you have to see it in yourself first. You have to see mm-hmm. your own biases. You have to be willing to admit that you have them. The only error or the only way you can go wrong is if you're unwilling to do the work to eliminate them and step forward and provide a role model for what it is to be in a bias-free workplace. There was an article about the mother and daughter that flew, I think it was a Delta jet. And I thought they were celebrating the fact that there was two females, a mother and daughter team that were flying the jet. And when I saw that article for the briefest second, for like a millisecond, this thought kind of flew across my mind. I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's safe. And as soon as it happened, I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. whoa, whoa, whoa. What was that? And I had to step back and think about it. I was like, oh my goodness, 
Mm. That is, I just literally had a point of inflection that was gender bias. So mm. I'm not, it doesn't make me feel good to know that that's what I thought, but it does make me feel good to know that I stopped, thought about it, walked through it. And now I understand that that is not a, the right way to think. And actually I'm taking actions to step into it and correct that. And maybe that's what corrective behavior is. So we talk about internal bias. Maybe it's starting with yourself to look for all areas where you have bias either against yourself and others, stamping it out, recognizing it and moving forward into better behavior. Yeah. I think that, you know, we're in 2019 Hmm. and we probably feel like we shouldn't be biased anymore because everyone, you know, we've, we've come so far, but there's a lot to work through um, internally and externally, you know? So I think that example, Denise, I think that you just haven't seen that before because we Mm -hmm. haven't seen a lot of female pilots or it's not talked about, or, you know, um, you know, I guess there's a lot more now than the 1950s for sure, but, um, but it's not something that we see every day. And we do associate, I would say that most people associate a pilot with, with a male, um, sure. because they, they were for a long time. I don't, I, I would say in the last, what, 20 years, it's become more regular. I mean, my mother is a dentist and when she was going through school, she, um, was one of very few women in her class and it was so abnormal for a woman to be a dentist and now they're everywhere. And mm-hmm. it's actually a really, it's a really popular profession mm-hmm. because of the flexibility, which is interesting as well. So I think that, yeah, we're, we're really trying, we're recognizing it. And this is the first step. You know, we're conditioned in certain ways. And I think that to remove the taboo of bias, uh, we have to literally understand it's an organic feature, right? It's a, it's a point of reference. It's a filtering system. It's conditioning over the course of your life, right? So I'm in my early 40s, 40 years of life of observing media, people around me, right? It creates this frame of reference for how you understand the world to be. Then when anything is different to your frame of reference, it, you, uh, you revert back to your initial and root understanding. And I think that's what progress is. I think literally that's, that's the, the nugget of progress is understanding how do you actually catch that, see it, take time to understand on, understand where it came from, what it is, correct the behavior and step into it. And, you know, even having this conversation here on the podcast and talking with you, with you guys about it, that's a huge role modeling for how we can actually begin to correct bias in ourselves as a first step to removing bias from the workplace. I like what you said too, Denise, about like that you weren't, you weren't happy with the thought that you had, but you, you had it, you know, and you like acknowledged it. And I think like, I don't know, I think for some reason, the more I talk to people, um, like my peer group and stuff, it's like, it's hard for people to say Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I did that. And that was kind of crappy. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't what I want. That's not who I want to be. And it's like, we almost have to recognize, like, we're not always going to be the best person that we want to be. And like every now and then you're going to have a thought that you don't want to have, or you're going to do something that's not what you wanted to do. And like, but being able to own it and learn from it and then pivot and change like your perspective, like each time I think is really important. But I think sometimes for some people, especially in this world of like, believe in yourself, you're amazing. Everything's great. You know, Um, like to be able to say like, Hey, like, you know, it's okay. I, I made a mistake, yeah. but it's okay. And yeah. I can and change again, how I think. I, you know, it, it was a mistake looking back on it, um, but it was also just a natural occurrence. And I see that as distinct from being a mistake. A mistake is almost like something you preempt or, you know, I knew better, but I did this. 
I think it even goes deeper than that. I think the mm, layering right. of bias is so genetically and psychologically deep that, it, you know, in that instance, I didn't feel like a mistake. It felt like, wow, it was, you know what it was? It was a wake up call. I was like, oh my goodness. Like here I am mm. working hard on developing the vision for Sway and we're all moving this movement forward. And if I'm having that thought, who else is having that thought? I'm like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so right. I guess my, my, my takeaway from that is we need to be real that bias is exists. And bias is not something separate. You can't go to the store and pick up a box of bias. You can't order it on Amazon, right? It's inside of you. Bias is a choice, deeply rooted and naturally occurring. But the good news is we can choose a different way. Start by finding the bias in yourself. Yeah. And I think, you know, the nature of putting people in a box that it is human nature, because that's sort of what we've always known to do. Um, I think that's going to change too, because first of all, we're recognizing it, but then there's so much to people now, you know, I mean, and there always has been, but, you know, for for example, Denise, you're saying you're a stay-at-home mom. You're also an entrepreneur. You're also a, a, a working mom. You know, there's, there's so many different things and so many boxes that you check. Um, and we're all kind of doing so many different things. And so I think my, my Mm. vision and my dream is that there isn't really a box to check about anyone because you can't put anybody Mm. into a certain category because we all have so much to us, you know? So, you know, Mm. I hope that's the way of the future and I hope that's the way of the future in the workplace. Yeah. I wonder where that starts too, because, I experienced that when I was in undergrad. Um, I was studying as a stage manager in theater, and um, I wanted to go to uh, an audition for something that was like far away, and it would have like interrupted a final that I had. Um, obviously, I talked to my professor in that class and was like, you know, this I'm looking to like try and do this. Like, is there a way for me to reschedule my final or take it like two hours later or something like that? And it wasn't even about like my request or a schedule. She was just like, you're a stage manager. Like, why are you going to do that? Mm. And I wonder sometimes if like, even, you know, as far back as like our education system, it's like kind of beginning these thoughts of like, this is what these people do. And this is what these people do. Because I was homeschooled through high school. That was the first like experience I really really had of that. Um, Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. And my mom signed us up for everything and it didn't matter because no, there wasn't anybody that was like, what are you, why are you doing that? You know what I mean? Like, are you this kind of person? Like we just did a lot of different things. Um, and it was so interesting getting to an undergraduate level at a private uh, education institution mm-hmm. and feeling more put in a box than I had before. Yeah. I think that, I mean, first of all, I'm still digesting that you were homeschooled. So that's a whole nother topic. Robert. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I think, yeah, college, that's a really good um, point because you have to pick your major. And so you have to put yourself in a box because, yeah. and they, and they, I think it's changing mm. now. Um, you know, when I went to school, you had to declare it by sophomore year and most people can't figure out what they want to do, you know? And um, some people have, I, I always knew mm-hmm. what I wanted to do, but, but not everyone does, you know, and, and it changes. And that's what we're calling for. And that's what we think is happening. That the fact that your point on education is very real, you know, the idea of going to college for four years and having a kind of one point of education and going into a job and working that job, maybe you move once or twice throughout your career, being the company person, I think those days are very long gone. And education has absolutely changed. It's going to become more of this lifelong nature, lifelong learning 
kind of approach where you're going to pick up skills as you go because we're, we have to be agile. Agile mind, agile learning, agile working. And that's what Sway is, right? We're developing this platform that normalizes the idea of what it means to be an agile worker in an agile workplace. Uh, Gone are the days of the fixed office. Gone are the days of the fixed hours, right? Collaboration tools, technology, techniques, flexibility, and agility is the way of the future. And that's what we're doing on Sway, right? Where we're promoting this idea, but we have to first before, and again, all the tools are out there, right? Work tools, technologies have been gender neutral for years. What has not become gender neutral and why we still have bias in the workplace is our mindset has not adapted mm-hmm. to be agile. And that's where we're starting with um, this conversation about the taboo bias. At Sway, we think about action-oriented plan for making this new world of work. And it has to start with us. And that's why I love the fact that we're able to have this really honest conversation about how we see it in ourselves to begin with, right? And then how do you role model that behavior? And then how do you actually create tools around it to be able to move into the new world of work? Yeah, I think, you know, that's what I would encourage anybody listening to think about. You know, Denise, you shared your example. And I think we all have examples of not only when, you know, when we've had bias against ourselves, when we've experienced bias in the workplace. And, you know, when we've um, kind of been biased ourselves, you know, had had an example of when we've judged somebody unfairly um, and then caught ourselves. So I think just being conscious of it is the first step. I like what you said about learning how to project the confidence that you have, because I think I think there is like, mm-hmm. you know, having confidence is the first battle. <laughs> um but then like feeling like, oh, me having confidence isn't even helping, like isn't helping me. Well, I'd almost look at that from a different side. I find that people react differently to you. Meaning when you, when I say project, I mean, you literally, you literally are internally confident in what you say, how you say it, how you carry yourself, how you stand, how you walk, how you shake somebody's hand. These are all like small pieces that project confidence. But if you feel it yourself, and you, you, you behave as such, people I find react differently. And I can say that from experience because I would say only about a year ago, I overcame my own kind of sense of imposter syndrome, which is this whole other topic we can probably cover on another podcast. But it was this, you know, generally speaking, this idea that you're not really sure if you're fitting in, you're not sure if you're doing the work, you're not sure if you're really, val- you know, do, do you connect yourself to the, your your success? God, did I get there by accident? Mm-hmm. Was that a, it's coincidental? I don't really deserve it. And I know that I, I definitely feel strongly, and that's why the Sway support module is very important to me, that we kind of had these conversations. I think we all have that in some degree. And then once I took understood that that's what it was, I was like, wow, there's a term for that. I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, hold on, what? You understand what that is too? You know, it's, I'm not the only one. I had to do a lot of really introspective work on myself to get to the root of why I felt like that. And then once I unlocked that, I just found all this sense of confidence and balance. And that's where Sway came from. Sway Workplace grew out of that. Yeah, I think that projection is really big, what you were saying, mm. Denise, about your projecting. I, you know, the, the, the example that um, I've shared with you guys a couple of times that I'll share with everybody listening, that I was um, on a shoot, I'm a media producer, and I was on a shoot, and mm-hmm. um, I noticed that the client was looking over at the, the male uh director of photography more than me. And I was the director and I was in charge. I was running the shoot and he kept, you know, going back to him, going back to him for direction. And, and, you know, um, I've had a little bit of time to reflect on why that happened and what went wrong there and why there was bias there. And it could have been his own bias that he already had from years of, you know, 
feeling that way. But I also think that I have some responsibility in that because I didn't correct him. I didn't step in. I wasn't, you know, I think overall mm-hmm. I wasn't really showing my confidence. And I had some bias against myself in that situation. Like maybe I'm not totally capable of this, even though I know I am, you know, but I recently went out on my own. I started right. my own thing. It's been hard. It, it is, it's, um, it's a journey, you know, and where I was in the corporate world, I knew who I was and I knew what I was capable of. And then when you go out on your own, you put yourself out there. Yeah. And I think your success right there is you've just, mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, you just stopped yourself. You, you, you noticed it in yourself. You identified what that was. And now you know yourself. This situation arises again because mm-hmm. it will. You'll definitely be in a situation where this is going to occur again in some form, in some location. And now you have a better handle on how you're going to handle it. And that was what we just talked about. That's step one. You saw it in yourself. You solved it. And now you're going to project a more confident version mm-hmm. of you. And those three, those people you work with in that case mm-hmm. are going to react differently because you're reacting differently. Right. Yep. So it's, I, I think, and I think everyone can relate to that in some way, shape or form, especially women. Mm. Yeah. So that's it. I think, you know, that's the essence of this podcast, the idea of taboo. Let's just recognize that bias is real. We all have it. It does not make you a bad person. It actually makes you human. Because we understand the root of bias comes from this humanistic view of self-safety, right? If you look like me, talk like me, you must be safe to me. Bias exists in many ways. It's okay to have it, but it's not okay to notice it and not do something about it. And I think that a big part of our, our messaging at Sway is about we're now, you know, to step forward into this gender neutral world of work. How do we catch up our mindset to the gender neutral nature work is to call people out of the gray. Right. Piggyback on that and just ask kind of more directly because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I went to a panel recently with women um, discussing just their experience in the workplace. And I was actually pretty surprised to find out how many of them were like, you know, I just let it roll off my shoulders and I keep on keeping on. But sometimes I do wonder like how, how more specifically can we describe like the, the opportunity that we're missing when we don't say something or we don't change our approach um like what what would we say to those people i feel like you should be paying attention to it i think that that's one of the problems i think that women have been used to just taking it taking it taking it in order to succeed because that's what they think they need to do and i think now is the time to stop doing that and stop letting it roll off your shoulders call it out um you know, and I know it's not comfortable. I do not like confrontation at all. But, you know, I think there's other ways to do it um, that can be empowering, you know. But I, I, I find that message a little troubling, actually, that, that the panelists said that. Um, mm-hmm. And if I think about women in leadership mm-hmm. roles that I've in the organizations I've been in, I can see that that's what they were doing, probably, you know. Um, and that was their survival mechanism. But I think that's why what Denise was saying about, if you see it, call it out, try to help. Don't just, you you know, it's not just you, we're all in it together and we should be helping each other out. And is that the whole idea of fake it till you make it, right? I've heard that term used actually in another panel I observed, I I listened to, you know, one of the people said, you know, they were going to fake it till they make it. And I'm like, what does that mean? Does that mean you said that (laughs) you were going to, either absorb, ignore, internalize, and then project something different. 
And, and maybe that's how, you mm-hmm. know, it is the case, again, McKinsey just released with Lean in this, this uh, groundbreaking report that talked about that we have as a nation on a corporate level done a tremendous at work in promoting women along the ranks and senior levels, which is terrific news. But the actual, and I wonder, do they get there by faking it till you make it? Maybe they, maybe they were like mm-hmm. Jimmy, the, the group you talked about earlier today that, you know, how do those women become so strong in back in a hundred years ago to fight for women's right to work, uh, sorry, to vote, right? That's so mm-hmm. not uh, appetizing for the communities at their time, but they did it. And I wonder if we look at the last 20, mm. 30 years, for these women that are now in these C-suite levels, did they have to fake it? Did they make it to get there? And how hard must have that been for them? And you know, the other mm. reporter for the McKinsey Report talks about, we've done a great job at the C-suite, let's keep it going. But for every 10 women in the world to work, there's maybe two that are operating at that really high level. There's eight that are not. And that report actually points to what they're calling the lower rung, which is we cannot actually hit this sense of gender parity. We can't really advance women in the workplace unless we look at the the first step up for women in work, which is the first managerial you know push up the ladder, and that's where we actually mm-hmm. have the bottleneck. And a big thing that we do at Sway is I think often about how do we message around this to really solve for that bottleneck issue, and it's no longer it can't be fake it till you make it. So words can roll off you. Right, because I actually also had this realization over the last while that when people do speak and use words, they actually are theirs. It, they're not yours, and mm-hmm. they can never be yours. You decide how you ex- mm. how you decide what you think of it, but their words are just that—they're theirs. But to un- uncork what we call this female potential, which is everything happening at the lower rung, we need to no longer accept fake it fake it till you make it as as a way of being. We have to step out of the gray, and we have to be courageous. We have to find this internal sense of um, of courage. And I use the word badass a lot. And I actually saw it written up in a Fortune article where they said they thought that that term no longer was relevant. But to me, it doesn't mean aggressive or assertive. It means fearless. What do we fear? Hmm. Yeah, we I think we're af- in some ways afraid of success. And, and um, the fake it till you make it really bothers me too because um, – I feel like, what are we faking? We can do it. We are that. We are confident. We, you yes. know, why do we, because we're yes. always apologizing. Women have always been apologizing for themselves, you know? And, you know, we talked about this in emails even, um, that there was an article going around that women often will say, I'm sorry, or just, I'm just, I'm just trying to reach out. You know, um, there's all this sort of like demure, like <laughs> apologetic, like, I'm just going <laughs> to... I know we all do it. I've, I, I, I'm more conscious of it now when I, after reading that article, but I think there is something about the way we've been taught to be. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. When you use the word sorry and the word just, you're minimizing what it is that you're saying. Take a look at how you communicate because oftentimes the words that you use are stronger than the message that you're sending. I like what you said earlier too, Jamie, is like it's survival and not progress. Mm. And I think when we talk about like changing, you know, like the fake it till you make it thing, Denise, like I think about, you know, yeah, these women that are in really successful roles can, you know, it's easy for them to say like, you know, I just, I, I took it, I took it for however long and I got here. The problem with that, like, as we talk about it, I'm thinking like, man, that doesn't help anyone else. It gets you there. But it doesn't like you're not changing the environment for the next woman that's that's going to be trying to succeed 
next after you, like they're going to have to do the same right. thing over and over again. And so like, if it doesn't change, like everyone's going to have to keep saying, <laughs> you know, I just let it roll right. up. And it's right. like, is that how you yeah, want no, to work? I think that, um, sort of an era in women in the workplace that there was this element of do whatever you can to get there, you know, as opposed to doing it the way it's supposed to be done in the fair way. The right way, the right way, right, a sustainable way. So again, the idea of fake to make it, I think a huge part of our the platform building at Sway and our messaging around it is, you know, there is a lot of effort right now to kind of help women in the workplace understand how to empower themselves and how do you make the ask and how do you stand up for yourself and how do you do this and how do you shake off the shackles of the past and. A lot of these, a lot of these efforts I see, are, you know, we're taking this empowered and enlightened group of females in the workplace, and we're funneling them back into the existing model of work, which is which is wrought with bias and invisible barriers. So, it perpetuates the cycle of burnout, fallout, stay out. And I think that, you know, we need to eliminate this idea of fake it to make it. We need to eliminate the bias in the workplace. We need to tear down these barriers, and we need to actually address it by creating a whole new model of work, which is the premise of Sway Act. Right? We're looking at how do we normalize this distributed workplace model that gives people the choice of how they work? So we need to rewrite the rules of how we work. We need to rewrite the rules of the workplace because if you're going to, we're going to really solve for all the bias and barriers, we need to actually put it into practice and unlock the potential of the future. So I think, I think it all starts with us. You know, they say that, you know, love and kindness starts at home and everything starts at home. Bias starts at home. And more specifically, bias starts with you individually. So why don't we just eliminate the taboo? Let's just throw it out the door. Let's let's acknowledge and, and be real about the fact that we all have bias. Let's look at it, literally think about it, list it out, write it out, have a chat with yourself in all the ways that you see that you're biased against yourself. And I think that's step one. The evolution to work as a lifestyle must start with us looking for bias. And that starts by looking within ourselves. What are the biases that you have against yourself? What are the biases that you hold against other people? It doesn't make you bad, it makes you human. But this is an action point that we can all take. Don't conform to external biases. Speak up, step out, step out of the gray. Action is inaction and take everyone along for the ride with you. Thank you so much for listening. We are so glad that you could be a part of this conversation. If you have any comments or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at hello at swayworkplace.com. Till next time.